Good morning. It's the Driveline Academy podcast. I'm your host, Devin Morgan. This is my co-host, Jeremy Techteal. Hello. Good afternoon. Um, so we're going to do this show um, under a 24-esque time block uh, in order to condense, condense this information into like the most effective use of your time and ours as possible. That's a really nice way to to say to stop us from talking too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the generous way of like shutting myself up. Yeah, probably is what it means. Um, Today, we're going to talk about high intent throwing. It's really important. There's a lot of stuff to cover. 35 minutes. Can we get this done in 35 minutes? Is that too aggressive? It wasn't for uh, Keeper Sutherland. Done deal. 35 minutes. Go. We're on the time clock. Okay, so let's talk about high intent throwing. Um, so we started posting um, this week on our driveline youth socials some of our kids that had their first assessment bullpens. Mm-hmm. Um, what we mean by assessment bullpen is after six weeks at like kind of the minimum, um, kids are finally getting on the bump for the first time, getting a chance to just like see how hard they, they can throw. Yes. Related to this, we are also tracking whether they're throwing strikes or not. Not because that's kind of the intention of an assessment bullpen, but more to just get a baseline for us as well to kind of understand what we're starting with. Right? Well, I'll yes, but I'll correct that a little bit. Okay. We're not we're not tracking strikes. We are tracking competitive Ooh, pitches. Good clarification. Because yes. that they are not necessarily the same thing. Yes. And uh, and if you want to get in the minutia there. Dangerous with with one minute gone already, but um, consider the hitting environment for youth players. Right, um, a lot of them don't have a like perfect. Who's like the best? Don't swing outside the zone guy nowadays at the MLB level. Juan Soto. Uh, Juan Soto, very very good. Um, uh, Max Muncy, very very good. Like guys that have uh, that that are not. They don't chase a lot, right? Um, you don't see a lot of that 18 you on down because that's a developing skill. You certainly don't see a lot of it 14 you on down, and you certainly don't see a lot of it 12 you down. Well, even if it's not a developing skill, um, it's a develop for the hitter, developing skill for the for the pitcher. Yes. And like it's not fun uh, to just get walked all the time. Uh, if you're going to have like a really discerning eye, uh, you probably aren't going to get a whole lot of strikes that you're you feel good about swinging at. Uh, so like, yeah, yeah. the ex- hitters at a younger age are going to expand their zones to meet where the pitchers are at and not for nothing where the umpires are at in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, so we run an assessment bullpen that, uh, an assessment bullpen that tries to look at both of those things, right? Mm-hmm. What does kind of our velocity look like and what is our ability to throw a competitive pitch? Competitive look like? pitch. Um, so um, that stuff starts going on. Uh, it starts going on on social media. It's December. Right. So people see our kids throwing off the bump in December at 100% intent and they have questions. Questions? Now, Is that? Yes. Comments? Generous. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have thoughts and feelings. The peanut gallery is loud. Yeah. They, they have thoughts and feelings. Um, and, and not that I think it would be valuable for us to turn this show into like, let's read comments on the internet. Um, I, I do think that this is a subject that requires a little bit of context and explanation. Um, we typically try to put that out consistently and constantly. Like, Youth High Intent Throwing Blog is on our website. Uh, you can read that. It's 
might take as long as this is our 35 minute episode takes because there's a lot of stuff to go into it but we've got you here now so let's like talk through it right um so whether you do an assessment bullpen whether you're doing um plyo velocity whether you're doing pull downs all this type of like high intent modality of training is something that we only put our toes in that end of the pool until we've checked some boxes first. Yes. And which, which doesn't, uh, that gets lost in, and you know, uh, I, I, we have some culpability here, right. Of like, we want to put out content, uh, and we want people to watch that content and no one's going to watch like a half an hour video of, of us explaining how we on ramp kids to the point where they get to throw an assessment bullpen. It's much more fun to just let them throw the assessment bullpen out on content. So like, we put out a 15, 10 to 20 second video, uh, and we are opening ourselves up to get uh, yelled at, lots of thrown, stones thrown at us, whatever, um, because we didn't e- preface it and explain it with, uh, hey, unlike your kids who threw fall ball, uh, and we're throwing way more than we, and by this way, this assessment bullpen is 10 to 12 pitches. Sure. 10 to 12 pitches. Uh, football, they're throwing way more than that, um, and I'm not showing up to fall ball games, sitting in the stands, uh, yelling about uh, kids throwing balls and strikes and, uh, right. you know, that fun stuff. Um, and we spent our fall ball season uh, on-ramping the kids and taking them from zero uh, to finally the first time they got to throw 100% was this assessment bullpen seven weeks after they started the program. Right. Because we care about the arm health of, of these kids and we're not going to let them throw an assessment bullpen without having properly ramped up. Right, and to, and to like to break down that concept, I think, a little bit more further, um, this whole idea of a ramp-up is something that, you know, we, we probably want to spend a couple a couple seconds of our very precious time yes. talking about. Um, the whole idea is, you know, the way that I try to explain this to parents a lot of times is like, uh, is like have you done like the couch to 5K? You know, have you done like the road to 100 push-ups app? Um, if you do any of those type of things, because I'm not presuming that I can communicate this to like a five by five strong lifts type of thing, right? Um, if you do either one of those things, right? Either building up kind of uh, your your tolerance for push up volume or your tolerance for like a longer duration conditioning activities, the way that you do that successfully is not jump first into the deep end of the pool and hope you can swim. That's not an effective training strategy. Uh, what we want to try to do is like, again, slowly over a period of time, gradually build up intensity and volume. That's that's what we're talking about when we're talking about on-ramping. Um, on-ramping doesn't mean throwing a bullpen at week two and week three and week four and week five and week six. Right. It means we gate that activity by like the six to eight-ish weeks, kind of depending on the kid, uh, of the, the, the progressive buildup of stimulus that precludes that right you just you cannot participate and actually into this degree in the academy this year we actually gated the assessment bullpen against attendance like we we literally went one level deeper not just say okay well our our 13u or 15u or 18u team you know you've been in the building we hope for six weeks now we're going to get a bullpen on you we track individually where these players are and there's some of them that met that threshold for participation which because we know the throwing program that we're doing puts them in a place where they can healthily get through that. Right. And there are other players that didn't. Right. They'll get there later. Right. But but the whole point of like this very progressive on-ramp is that like you have to build back into that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and the thing that we're building into, again, is just like competition intensity. Uh, so uh, if you see a, a video of our kids where they're throwing a, you know, an assessment bullpen and they're throwing hard and you're like, well, well, how, how dare you? What do you think it looks like when that kid is on the bump in April? Right. They're throwing with intent. Like that, that's, that is what the game demands. Um, I understand uh, that, that people kind of look at this type of stuff and, and you're right. We are culpable to the degree that, you know, if we put out a video that was like, uh, let's say it's a minute long. Well, it's probably already 30 seconds too long for most social media content. Yes. Um, and if the first, uh, you know, I was, I was watching um, Kev on stage on Instagram uh, the other day, and he is very smart about the way that he, like, uh, weaponizes his social media. And he's like, look, people make the decision uh, about whether you're going to stay, stay and, like, stay on your page or your account to see that content within three seconds. Yeah. So imagine the first, the first... <laughs> Hype content that we have the academy is like it's a, it's thirty seconds of like sixty to seventy percent what we would call like a hybrid B throwing yeah. volume, right? Like nobody wants to see that. Yeah. You have to understand though that in the background that is the thing that gets us to the place that we land at, right? Yeah. It's just like it is that consistency of of again periodizing this buildup of intensity and volume that allows us to safely get there. And the point that we're trying to get to um, is not. Uh, sending it on the mound at uh, at 100% the way that you will be in competition before you're ready to do that. Right. that. That's just not a thing. And so I think your point about like, yeah, we, we got here because we took time off. We got here because we periodized this buildup over time and we didn't play fall ball. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, I understand that like the fall ball thing, saying that we don't do that is something that's a real sticking point for a lot of people. I get it, but it's all related to the same ball of wax. Yeah. Right. Like we just can't get into this specific phase of training, uh, a velocity development phase, which starts with an assessment of where you actually are to begin with. Right. You can't get there if you cross pollinate all this other stuff. Right. And that's the other part that you missed, right. Is like, what are we leading into? Right. And, and that is this velocity development phase right. that you really need to have arm health. If you're going to take on some of these higher intent velocity workouts, uh, which we do the same thing with both pulse data and attendance records with eligibility. Like if you, like in, you know, this is a time of year where lots of kids get sick. Flu's going around. Oh boy. COVID's going around again. So if they, if they have to miss a week because they got sick, they're not eligible to throw in these velocity workouts uh, because it's, it is like a, it, it's a high stress on your arm, right? Like you can train for, you know, you talked about the marathon. You can train for six months for a marathon. The day after you run that marathon, you're probably pretty sore. Yeah. You're still going to feel like you got your ass yeah. kicked. Yeah. yeah. So that's the same thing with these velocity workouts with pull downs, thing like that. Like we do all of this preparation to lead up to it. And like, yeah, we, and you know, we had this conversation a lot with a lot of these athletes this last week, uh, after we did our pull downs that it's 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 okay to feel sore. Like you yeah. should feel sore. That's how you know you you did a high intent workout. Right. Like you really got after it. Uh, if you don't feel sore, maybe that means your body didn't you didn't stress your body enough. Yeah. Uh, you didn't you didn't really the stimulus didn't like impact you enough to to like really make your body feel that workout. But it's like what led up to that video, and then what happens after that video? We're like that video was a ten to twelve pitch bullpen. After the on-ramp, it was the first time we allowed them. We took the, the brakes off. We allowed yep. them to throw 100% first time all year. They got after it. They had a ton of fun, which is the biggest thing that I think people are missing with that. How dare you. Uh, is they had a lot of fun, which I know. 
having fun playing baseball. It's just like, uh, we should quit. We're not like, here for it's, that. Dude. This is not. This is not good. Uh, but then it was to on ramp. Here's your ten to twelve pitches where you can have some fun. Let it eat. You've earned this after that slow buildup of a six week on ramp. And then it's okay. Now here's where you're at. And now we're going into a six week velocity development phase where you're going to get into some really high intent workouts. And we set goals with all these kids based on those assessment numbers from that bullpen. So like, just and that and that's. That is the social media world we live in. We're like, it's really easy to take something like that out of context. See one kid throw one pitch sure. and say ball uh, or whatever they want to say. Ball that's one, one. That's one. He told me I, I had six. I was allowed to say ball six times uh, in this podcast. So uh, I, those two don't count. No, 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 uh, we, yeah, those are, those are off the record. But I mean, it's, it's like really easy to look at that and just come to that conclusion. Uh, the same way it's like really easy to see a big leaguer hit a home run and come to the conclusion that like he's just really good without like watching the hours and weeks and months of work he put in to lead yeah. up to that home yeah. run. Yeah, the, the work that gets done in the yeah. dark. And and so I wanna I wanna go one level deeper on what you're talking about about like stress because that is something that we we gotta probably provide a little bit more context in. But before that, I do want to point out the fact that uh, again the way that we build up progressively to the point that you can throw an assessment bullpen means that that first number that we get, I would say is real. Yeah. Which is different than us going, let's throw a bullpen in week one where you're just coming off of shutdown, which runs the risk. Number one, that you are asking your body to do something that your body is not able to tolerate doing safely. And two, even if you get through it safely, those numbers are diminished right. because those numbers are coming off of a shutdown. Right. So when you see us later in this year posting velocity development numbers, understand what what's the, the fidelity of that signal, I think, is very high right. because we're not sandbagging what we're doing at the beginning. Sandbagging is a like a car racing thing to like act like your car is slow and then you have like a 200 shot of nitrous in the trunk or, you know, whatever. Um the number is real because of the way that the process that we go through to obtain it, right. which means that the development that comes from that point might be mitigated a little bit, right? I, I mean, it, we if all we wanted to do was go like, hey, every kid in our, our facility is going to gain 20 miles an hour in a year, the easiest path to like do that in a very scumbaggy way is to get bad numbers early at low intent and then compare that number with a later number at high intent. It'd be like, we're so we're so good at this. Yeah. And I, it, I guarantee you I can add 20 miles of bat speed in a week. Sure. Day one, they swing the bazooka bat. Yeah. Day five, this week, drop 13. I am a great coach. I've added 20 miles an hour of bat speed. You're so good. And, like, people don't ask, you know, ask for, like, the parameters of, like, how did you come to these numbers, sure. right? Like. Sure, which is you know which is fair, but I think it does it does bear mentioning that like again there is a health and I, I guess safety perspective for the way that we build up mm -hmm. in that specific kind of roadmap from point A when you walk in the door to point B when we're actually going to get our numbers because we aren't training college kids that are kind of like constantly throwing and constantly training right. you know like on with with the 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 conventional you know collegiate professional pitching and hitting floor they don't have to do that process because those guys are just like constantly in season like i you know despite what one of my favorite closers on the phillies in the 2000s tried to tell people on twitter this week uh Brett Myers was on, uh, was on Twitter this week. 
allegedly. Uh, I mean, well, shit, who cares? Uh, yeah, he's trying to say, oh, you know, I, um, well, I, uh, I wouldn't even start throwing. I would shut down when the season was over, and I would start throwing a week before spring training. And Smart. He was, and he was saying that that is like, um, and that's the path. And, and again, this goes back to like Devin's old rant about why it's important to be particular uh, and get context and signal about what MLB guys tell you because like, uh, if that's a thing for Brett Myers, to presume that that is an effective and safe way for you to execute training for your child or your athlete is uh, a little tomato potato, right? Um, it'd be like, hey, you know, I, I, I drink uh, and drive all the time without wearing a seatbelt, and it's working just fine for me. Yeah. Hasn't, hasn't gotten, and I, I, I know there were injuries in Brett Meyer's career, and I'm pretty sure if you looked at the year he retired, it was not uh, at like a super ripe old age. Yeah. Um, but like that's a, a very good point. Uh, and like the other part of what we do in here is like we extremely monitor. Right. What like not just because kids lie. So like you could ask them how their arms feeling, but like watch the actual throws and right. you'll and you'll know. Right. Like you if you get a sense of your kids, you'll know when they're babying throws and when they're and then when they're letting it eat. Right. So like, yeah, we instruct our coaches to like go that that extra level and like what you didn't see in that video is multiple kids not throwing because like their arm is a little hanging that day. And like the the thing we tell them every time before they throw, and this is this may, you know, irk some people, but uh nobody cares how hard you throw in December if you can't throw in July. Hundred percent. Over and over and over again we told them this. Yeah. Uh because we wanted to make sure they knew it's okay have some arm pain or some arm soreness and tell your coach. Yeah. It doesn't make you like a bad team player. Yep. It doesn't make you soft. If like your arm is not feeling great today, uh, it does make you a bad team player. If you try to throw through it and then end up with like little league, right. elbow, little league shoulder right. or something worse, if you know, your body is a little more developed and you're, you're actually throwing with like, oh, some sure. velocity behind it. Which, uh, dovetails directly into this idea of like stress and, and force production, right? Like I, and I will be honest, you know, when, when Danny first started coming and we was getting like mocap data on him as like a nine and 10 and 11 year old, um, you know, he, he, I guess is a lot of times he's the athlete that I understand at the deepest level of fidelity because he, I would hope so. I love all our kids. I only have one kid that yeah. is, is like, we, I think we yeah. talked about this, but like, um, you know, there was this paradigm where like he would produce, we used to measure like mile per hour per varus, which is to say unit of velocity versus unit of, of varus stress on the elbow. And what I saw with him, and then I would like dig deeper into some other athletes we had around the same time, um, is this weird paradigm where it's like these kids would produce just like more and more velocity with minimal amounts of force increase. So you would go from like 14 miles an hour per unit of varus to 18 miles an hour per unit of varus to 23 miles an hour per unit of varus. I think the highest he ever got to was like 26. And I remember asking uh, Anthony Brady about this, one of our R&D guys, um, is like, is like, man, there's no way this could continue, right? And he's like, yeah, it's 100% going to change because eventually um, kids start to produce more force, which is like the next way that you get more velocity development, but it has to be force you can tolerate. So again, when you kind of think back about your exact point, there's no point in doing any of this in December if you're not healthy in June and July. 
okay, the next level deeper to kind of understand what you're really getting at there is that what you're going to be doing in June and July is putting stress on your body. There, there is no mechanical panacea where you can throw good velocity for your age and not produce force on your body. Like that's just not a thing specifically with older 12, 13, 14, 15s and certainly everything from that point. So if what we want to do is get through the competition in June and July in a healthy fashion, then you do not want the stress and stimulus you're getting in June and July in competition at competition levels of intensity be the first time you've experienced that. Right. That is how you open up the door for like getting screwed up. Uh, and again, think about this and basically like any other uh, athletic endeavor, right? If I've never benched 315 and I haven't and it eats at me at a near daily basis, uh, if I'm building back up now, right, and I'm not there yet and I just like go into the facility in here tomorrow and I'm like, I'm going to put 315 on the bar. Best case scenario, I'm just going to get folded. And it's just going to get stuck on my chest and it's going to be embarrassing. I've been there before. Worst case scenario, I could hurt myself because the demand that I have put on my body in that specific activity, I have not acclimated for. Right. The whole, and I understand that it's crazy, I think, maybe for parents that aren't that deep into this to kind of understand this idea, but that's why we're talking about it, right? Like you don't, when you're on the bump and it's the third inning and you've had, 35 40 pitches in the can already and you're going to go 65 or 70 there is going to be like a first time you're going to do that right mm -hmm. the the path does not go for like 20 pitch bullpens february march april may 75 pitch starts in june and july right because that's the same it's this is the same concept right you have to periodize this stuff over time you have to progressively add and increase stress and stimulus and everything that we're trying to do is simply be eyes wide open about what's asked for in competition and make sure that the approach to training actually reflects you for that and prepares you for that. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's, that's it. That's absolutely all of it. Um, so, uh, that's the assessment bullpen, right? It's just like a very clear, this is where we are to start type of deal. Mm -hmm. From that, we move into a velocity phase of development. We got 13 minutes. We got plenty of time. Oh, we're rolling. We're rolling. Um, and I think the thing I always think about when uh, when we start to get in these conversations is like the age old baseball coach question: Will it transfer? Like, like the first the first post that uh, that I ever had that did numbers on Twitter, and the thing that is pinned to my account now is Danny and I doing side soft toss in the backyard of our old house. And there was this whole conversation that summer about like drills that transfer and what transfers, what don't, which, and it's like. Uh, moving the bat fast to hit a moving object is a skill that transfers. You can do it in less challenging environments or more challenging environments relative to the athlete, but all of that stuff informs your ability to execute that task in competition mm -hmm. to one degree or another. Some of the stuff will have more transfer. Some of it will have less, but to broadly like paint with a broad proverbial brush and go like this thing is good and everything else is bad um, is probably ill-informed. So, pull downs, running guns, uh, uh, what, what else does people call them? Uh, I, there's like five different, why do we do them? Drive lines. The, do the drive line, right? Do the drive line, do the old, you know, the, the run at the thing and throw. Um, okay. What do, what do the best pitchers in the world do? Most of them 
use their whole body to sequentially generate force mm -hmm. and execute the task. Uh, that means all the things that as coaches that we, you know, put up on a pedestal, um, activating the gloops, staying in the back pocket, uh, like all this other nonsense, right? The sum total output of doing that well is a sequence, right? This is the, this is why Kyle called it hacking the kinetic chain. You are using your biological kinetic chain to execute a movement because we understand that the thing that we don't want is like the dart thrower. Right. We, 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 we understand that. So the question is when you're taking athletes and I'll just keep this on our end of the pool, right? Uh, you know, uh, 18 and unders, if that's a thing that we understand is good, how do we, how do we get them to be better at it? Well, you have to put them in an environment that's going to drive them to find a sequence. Right. The whole intent of the pull down, the run and gun, whatever you want to call it, is an unrestricted environment where the athlete will self-organize their body around a very simple objective, which is throw the ball hard. Mm -hmm. And you get iterative feedback on that every single time about whether you achieve that goal or not. Then when you achieve that goal, you go, all right, that felt good. Lock, throw away. And if you didn't get that, okay, I got to do something different. Yeah. And I guess it shouldn't surprise me, uh, given that, that in uh, American baseball, we have like a hundred year history of just prioritizing mechanics in abstract. I, I understand that. And it's very, very different than like, uh, you know, pull down is very different than uh, I'm thinking about like the Ron Polk uh, baseball playbook. Right. Uh, the idea that like he's literally like physically holding a kid's back heel on the ground <laughs> while he's pitching. Yeah. It, it sh I guess it shouldn't be a surprise to me, but, uh, but again, by the same token, um, what we're talking about is something that's really, really hard to specifically drive an adaptation for, right? It's a complex thing. Yep. It's a complex thing that it's very hard to like say the right magical words to coach someone into. What we're talking about is like athletic movement discovery, not to get too hippy dippy about it, but that's literally the thing. It's like, it's an environment that allows you to learn how to sequence. Is sequencing good? Yes. So how are you going to help them get better at it? You and have I, to. You have to give them a chance. I will tell you. Uh, week one of pull downs. I love all of the children. It was so ugly. Some of them were bad. Oh man, some of these pull downs were just and it, and like part of it is uh, like a really positive thing that we patterned into them that like be mindful of your arm health. Mm -hmm. And, like, you don't have to always let it eat. Uh, and, like, that's most of the time you don't want to let it eat. Like, you want to basically throw at 80 90% for the vast majority of the time you're on the mound. Um, and then we tell them, all right, let it eat. Like, just right. running start, let it eat. And there's, like, still, you know, a gate that's in their mind that, mm -hmm. like, there is going, it's, like, that first week stopped a lot of these kids from, like, truly letting it eat. Mm -hmm. um, and, like... We'll get there. We'll, and like, but this is, you know, the movement discovery. Like, you, all, all, every kid, no matter how ugly pull down one looked, looked better by pull down eight. Because right. we only do eight pull down throws. Uh, Which again, if you're, you know, if you're having your kid through like 50 pitch, you know, 70% intent bullpens every single week, like, man, what are we, what are we doing? You know, like you, you want to criminalize uh, people that put kids in this type of environment for high intent throwing at low volume 
Meanwhile, you are like constantly like just hammering holes in the Hoover Dam. There's not a, a ton of difference. Uh, I mean, the momentum obviously is is a, a big difference, sure. but there's not a ton of difference from that in long toss. Correct, and we know that because we studied it, and we have objective data to just like and like prove people that. don't complain about long tossing, and they would do that five days a week. Well, uh, if I can interject, uh, my son goes to a school with a friend of his who plays on another team, and uh, and and he and his friend got to tech talking the other day, and his buddy was like, "Hey, you know the the." The thing for velocity development, man, you just gotta um, you gotta do like max intent long toss every day. And my son reports this to me, and I'm like, uh, I mean, I I don't know, dog. <laughs> I it's gonna be a no for me. That's <laughs> because again, uh, where that, where's the recovery period? Bingo. Uh, the whole issue with with that type of approach, right? Whether it's the you know the the repetitive bullpen thing or you know repetitive maximum intent throwing like that, is that you are taking athletes away from an opportunity to get into the super comp uh, co super compensation phase yep. of training, yep. which requires rest and recovery. Yes. Uh, so and we could bring Connor on to, to to really get into the weeds with the super compensation. Yeah, yes. and and so to your point, you know, when we have you know eight pull downs. Uh, the next two or three days or four days of training, all recovery. it's all recovery, Yeah, right? We can have low volume and low intensity stimulus that gets us moving in a little, you know, it's a little uh, active recovery almost, right? But it's not eating away at our ability to actually recover, recover and get the gain. Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah. And a lot of time, like it's we're, we're, I believe past the point, where you're going to be able to tell a kid, uh, don't throw 95. Or, sure. and like, I, these old adults can like yell all they want about how like, you know, you should be able to throw 90 and locate. Kids want to throw the ball hard. Yep. Uh, they want to hit the ball hard. All of that, like the, the five daily max, max long toss? Max yeah, long toss? yeah daily dog. Yeah. Um, that... I assume, I have to assume, uh, there is no part of that uh, where like a weight room or, or, or some dumbbells are, are being uh, inserted into the process. So like, how are you actually making this kid stronger and allowing him to be able to produce more force to get those gains? And what ends up happening, because like the kid wants to throw 95. Mm -hmm. He's not any stronger than when he started. Mm -hmm. So he overcompensates by like, trying to just whip his arm as fast as he can and gets injured. The amount of times in the past, like, month that I have had kids of all of ages, like, literally, I could pick out a time of 10 you said this to me and a time in 18 you said this to me in the last month. It's wild. Uh, this is, I'm quoting now from these kids, like, it's wild that I'm PRing and I'm not even swinging any harder. Yeah. I'm PRing and I'm not, I don't, I'm not throwing 100% and I'm PRing. It's like, yeah, you're getting stronger. That's how it should happen. Yeah. Is you get stronger and then like you're not necessarily your intent isn't going up. Yeah. There's a there's a, you know, as much as people think that uh, you could say like 110%. 100% is the max of of anything. <laughs> right. So like you you can't get higher intent. You can't yeah. want it more. Yeah. Uh and like that is when people get hurt is like they just try to like will it to happen uh and don't spend any time in the weight room like actually learning how to produce more force. In in into uh a layer onto that 
the whole point of that approach is that yes, when you're in competition, you probably are going to be existing somewhere like 80 to 90%, let's say 85 to 90, yeah. right? Uh, that, on a good day. On a good day, right? You can raise what that 90 is, which is the whole point, the whole point of, of all of yeah. this, right? The whole, this is the rising tide raises all ships type of deal, right? Uh, and when you take the time to adequately address the skill, the skill side and like the systemic side, mm -hmm. which is basically what you present as an athlete, what do you walk in the door every single day? When you address both of those things, you can get the maximum amount of development. If you don't adequately address both of those things and you are just good luck. You know, like it's, it, I, I, man, I hope it works out. It, so, you know, Danny's telling me about his friend and I'm like, yeah, man, I, you know, uh, I know my 13 year old son understands this idea of super compensation because he has to suffer with me on these car rides. And like we, we've covered this stuff. Uh, and again, if you're tracking any type of data and whether that data is measured with a flipping yardstick uh, or a pulse sensor or a pocket radar, if you're going through this like, consistent high intense throwing stimulus, you're going to start see that lack of recovery eat into your output. But if you don't measure those things, either the distance or long toss or the volume of long toss or the output of long toss in terms of velocity, you miss all of that signal and how would you know? Hey man, it's just me and my kid and we're on a field and he's 180, 250 feet away. Uh, I might not be able to discern that difference between 180 to 250 perfectly. Yeah. Right. And if I don't track it and I don't understand, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, our long toss distance today was was like 175, 160. We've been up around two two twenty something. If you don't track anything, you miss the ability to kind of understand the signal that is being communicated to you. It's right there. You just miss it. Yeah. You you just miss it. So um, one minute, 51 seconds. OK. Uh, in summation. <laughs> We can hold to our, our Kiefer Sutherland uh, goal for this podcast. Um, high intent throwing is something that is good because it is going to allow you to learn how to effectively sequence as an athlete in an unrestricted environment in a way that informs the movement patterns that you express when you're actually in a competition environment. Mm -hmm. It is a difficult thing to learn, but is a thing that can be learned. Mm -hmm. You don't do that safely. Uh, until you have adequately prepared yourself with consistent and periodized stimulus over time. And the whole point of adapting to that stimulus, both in terms of an assessment pull down in term or assessment bullpen in terms of an actual pull down is also reflected in what competition demands. Mm -hmm. Our sport is a high intent sport. That's just the way that it is. And even if there is a period of time where it is played in low intensity effectively, right? This is like the 10 U kids, Hey, just throw strikes because most 10 you hitters are going to get themselves out. That's fine. That shit doesn't play at 50 in you. Unless you just want to be serving batting practice. Correct. So uh, if you want to learn how to throw hard, you have to do the things necessary to get that benefit safely and effectively. Yep. And again, uh, to, to hit the, the last point there, uh, addressing the systemic, right? Addressing the ecological. What do you bring to the table as an athlete in terms of your physical preparation for nutrition and rest and recovery? Uh, where are you in terms of like general athletic strength and sport specific strength? You just have to address all of it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And like, you know, at, at the end of the day, man, uh, you know, my kid. Oh, at the, at the end of the day, my kid. At the end of the day, my kid is effectively like doing baseball year round, right? Uh, but doing baseball year round does not mean playing in perfect game tournaments every single weekend. Mm -hmm. It can mean different things relative to the way that it's implemented. Uh, and if you just take the time to track any of this stuff, you can see the benefits that you gain and then realize that like you, you just want to do both, right? You, you want to build skill. You want to play the game. There's a way to balance those two things against each other. You just have to be a little smart and burn a couple calories. Yeah. And it's, I'm not going to say it's easy. No, uh, it's like I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to say it's easy. Um, but like, if you care, you take the time to figure it out. Yes. And we've got some resources uh, to help you figure it out. Yes. Put my paid shill hat on. Uh, here's a free thing you can read. Uh, our youth high intent throwing blog has like, I don't know, 100,000 views or whatever. It's got a lot of it's I think it's OK. Uh, start there. Um, if you want to have an idea of what like this periodized uh, increase in throwing volume and throwing intensity looks like, we have a free program to like walk you through a six week version of that. If you want to have guidance from that, our Academy Online program uh, for a very affordable uh, number of less than you're going to spend uh, on like showcases for your kid this year uh, is going to give you monthly support and guidance from our trainers on how to do that stuff. Uh, we have a new like composite educational book that'll be coming out to like wrap all of this in one single bundle. Um, I, I will make it as easy for you as possible. Um, you just gotta like be a little intentional. Yeah. And when it comes to the health of your child or the team of children you've been tasked with, that intentionality shouldn't be something that's like a big ask. A hundred percent. Unless you want to exist in the non-feedback land, the old man yells at cloud land. Um, like, and I, I don't even want to, I want to do like the Twitter. But it's beef. not even non-feedback, right? Like there, there's feedback there. It's just stupid feedback. Yeah, it's just, it's very stupid feedback. Right. Yeah, it's very stupid feedback. And, and, and I, the thing I love this morning is like the, well, hitting the ball hard is bad. Kids shouldn't get feedback on the, on their swing output. That's that's the new thing that's floating around this morning uh, from everybody's favorite troll. So like, my and my decision to stay off of social media just wins again. <laughs> yeah. So like, just realize, man. I, I hope that if if people have uh, you know have the ability, can I see this thing for clear eyes? I think some of those people that are uh, so visceral against this type of feedback. Uh, Man, you can't you can't convince me that isn't just a fear response. It's a fear driven by irrelevancy or irre irrelevance, right? Like, well, what power do I have an instructor if if my kids get this feedback that the, that I used to have power over? But that's a that's a tangent for another show. All right, uh, it's the key for Sutherland edition of the Driveline Academy podcast. We have more meetings and stuff to get to. Um, again, like we have a ton of free resources uh, you guys can dive into. We'll link them in the show notes. Um, throwing hard is good. You got to be set up to do it safely and effectively, and then you're going to get the benefit, and then your kids are going to have fun, and it's tight. Oh, they have fun. We should yeah, have oh, said that more. We should have said that more, and I only said ball once. Yeah. Uh, in the spirit in the spirit of the World Cup, this is our bonus time. Oh, there you go. It's also just fun. Yeah. It's fun. And if you think that, like, okay, we can, we can go back and forth about does it transfer and that all just stupid reductive conversation, it's also just kids like to move fast. Yeah. I, I trust, trust me, they do. I've been yeah. doing this for a while. And they like to beat their numbers. A hundred thousand yeah. percent. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's really simple. Yeah. 
uh, in the words of Michael Scott, it's a uh, win-win-win-win. Win-win-win. 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 Win-win. All right. Uh, we're, yeah. Bonus time is over. Ball. <laughs> we only got three. Um, thank you guys for listening. We'll be here next week, and we'll talk more about some of the stupidity uh, that we find on the internet and uh, why we can embrace that and actually tell you how to do something a little bit smarter. That sounds like a good plan. All right. We'll see you guys. Ball.